What if there was no archaeological evidence for people and places of the Bible? When it comes to the Book of Mormon, that lack of archaeological evidence is something that the Latter-day Saints have to wrestle with. And that's what we're going to be discussing today, the Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Your hosts for this podcast are Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley. Robbie is pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church, as well as professor of apologetics, worldview, and ethics at Mission Bible Institute. He is a graduate of Phoenix Seminary, as well as a graduate of the Master's in Christian Apologetics program at Biola University. Tyler is currently earning his undergraduate degree in theology at Grand Canyon University and currently serves as an apologetics intern at Desert Springs Community Church. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with Tyler Hurley. Hello, Tyler. Hey, it's good to be back. Good to be back again uh, this week with our uh, last installment uh, of in our archaeology series. Yes, this yep. is exciting. And this is kind of a backwards um, argument, actually, because <laughs> we're not arguing for how the Bible's backed up through archaeology. We're actually going to be showing how the Book of Mormon is disproved through the lack of archaeology. Yes, yes. And I think that this is an important topic of discussion because when you th- look at other religions, different beliefs, and you see the lack of archaeological evidence, mm-hmm. it also shows, hey, if the Bible and Scripture has good archaeological evidence— and other religions and places don't, then it gives it more credibility, saying that there's something that it has, like there's a way that it has an edge over the other worldviews. Yeah, and, and again, archaeology doesn't prove Christianity to be true, but exactly. it proves that the Bible's accurate in yeah. when, in regards to people It, it validates some of its claims. Yep, That's it validates what it does. some of its claims. But if, the, if a holy book would lack that evidence, it would um, invalidate its historicity. Yeah. Which, yeah. if it's not historically accurate, why would you believe in it being religiously accurate and telling you how you can be saved for eternity? You know? No, that's important. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. It is. But first, we got yeah. a coffee tip. Yes. And this coffee tip special to you. Yes, it is. Yeah, so you're going to yeah. share about it. Go ahead. So yes. who's the winner of our coffee mug this week? All right. Well, the winner is my fiance, Maddie. Ooh, who nice. ended up? Yeah. So she ended up sending me a coffee tip because she's like, you know what? Uh, she's like, I-, I know that you have your own mug and we're about to get married, but she's like, I want a mug. You need a matching and you set. You know what? She's like, yeah, <laughs> matching set, right? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, if you guys take it, and I told her, I'm like, same, same thing you told your mom, Robbie. I'm like, you know what? Well, I can't just give it to you. I'm no. like, you gotta, you gotta send me a you coffee gotta work tip for it. Yeah. And these, it's gotta these... be a good one too. Yes, absolutely. Can't just be some old hat yeah. thing we've done. Yeah, That's why I said it. Really so I'm like, no, you gotta send me something legit. So, uh, Maddie went ahead and she sent me. Uh, a tip that is related to her profession that she's going in. She's going to school for nursing right now. So uh, something that she wanted to send a coffee tip on was something that coffee does to your health and to your diet. I like this. Yeah, so this is really cool. So um, she got this source from uh, the European Dietary Journal, which that's uh, pretty legit and it was cool because what she came to find from that source is that coffee is the number one source of CGA in most people's diets. And basically what that is, it's this type of um, uh, antioxidant, basically, mm-hmm. that works as kind of an anti-inflammatory and anti-carcinogenic. And it also has like these benefits for people with di- type 2 diabetes, 
Alzheimer's or stroke victims and high blood pressure. Wow. So it's, a, yeah, anti, and I've known forever coffee is antioxidant properties, yeah. but it's actually healthy for you to drink Yes, coffee. it is. And it, uh, it turns out that uh, what this article is saying here is that it pre- can help prevent diseases, not just like reduce side effects and like help mm. recover from Alzheimer's, obviously, which most people do, I think, know about the Alzheimer's thing. But mm-hmm. if you didn't, then there you go. It can help with Alzheimer's or preventing it? Like what it, is- it helps with side effects. So it's like uh, uh, okay. the men- mental aspects of it with like the same same aspect of how it helps a stroke victim. Okay. Like in the same sense, it just helps in that way with the antioxidants. And um, something that's really interesting about this too is just uh, that <laughs> – um, the CGA element that's in coffee is also found in uh, espresso to be the most. It's found in that m- – it's more dominant it's more in espresso. Concentrated yeah, because it's more concentrated. So if you want to get the full effect of this, drink espresso. Interesting. And it yeah. can help prevent diabetes, you were yes. saying? Yes. It can help prevent diabetes and apparently obesity. But okay, okay. Well, hold on. That's Because yeah. listen, I know how people are going to get – they're going to think, oh, coffee will prevent obesity. And then they're going to go get in line at Dutch Bros. And they're going to order, you know, an, an, an a lar- extra large annihilator that's full of cream oh, and yeah, 300 gotta, pounds of sugar. And they're going to think, hey, this is going to help me lose yeah. weight. <laughs> right. No. But it's no. not like that at all. Okay. No. no coffee. Not coffee does. the milk and the sugar they put in Yes. Coffee. The actual ground up beans and water. Okay. Nothing else. That's very important to distinguish Heck, here because I could see an epidemic of people saying, oh, right. I've been drinking seven Dutch Bros coffees because Christ I'm, culture and I'm coffee told weight. me it's healthy for yeah. my diet. It's like, <laughs> I, I want to live longer. Do you remember? There was a, I don't know if you saw this, there's this old uh, episode of Seinfeld mm. and uh, this fro- frozen yogurt shop opened. Right. Uh, in 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 their neighborhood, and they loved it, and they kept eating there all the time. And they're like, "This is unbelievable because it's it's a non-fat frozen yogurt." So they were eating it, thinking it was like a health food, right? They're like, yeah, "This is right. phenomenal," and they all started gaining weight, and they couldn't figure it out, and they kept eating yogurt, and then they figured out that it's non-fat, but it has sugar in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's like a similar thing to this whole coffee thing. No, so listen, exactly if, if you're it, yeah. out there, do not think we're saying you can drink no, your venti quad milk. A brevet, you know, extra pumps of yeah, sugar. cream, sugar. Yeah. No, <laughs> coffee. Just just coffee yes. has antioxidant. Yes, properties. and if you can handle drinking it black, do if you do that more often. Yes, it's it's healthy for you. That's yep. what we're saying here. Yep. So, black anyways, good but, for you. That's yeah, but, cool. That's a cool tip from Maddie. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, Maddie, for giving us yes, that thank tip. You. And we are going to move on to the topic now. Yeah, the topic for today, uh, really kind of an interesting thing to discuss, is uh, the Book of Mormon, right? Yes. Mormons Mormons hold this book in high esteem. This was the first holy book that uh, they say was translated by Joseph Smith. And I want to read to you, I have, I have my copy of the Book of Mormon right here, and I want to read to you uh, uh, a quote from Joseph Smith. It's actually in the introduction to the Book of Mormon, yes, right? Yeah. So this is this is what it says. Uh, concerning this record, the prophet Joseph Smith said, quote, I told the brethren that the Book of Mormon was the most correct of any book on earth and the keystone of our religion, and a man would get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. So according to Joseph Smith, hmm. the Book of Mormon is the most correct book, Right. That's what yeah, he literally says, right. the most correct of any book on earth. Well, this poses a problem because as we read the Book of Mormon and as we see the claims that it makes for itself, 
um, there are a lot, a lot of problems with it in regards to what we know about history and in regards to what we know about archaeology. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's really important to think about. And I mean, something uh, another point to bring up too is just uh, um, the mere fact of that claim, not only from an archaeological aspect, but I mean, I, I, in some of our studies that we've done in Utah and just seeing through uh, um, how the Book of Mormon is structured mm-hmm. uh, over the years, there have been uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say this thousands of changes. Oh, yeah. To the Book of Mormon. Yeah, so if it was the most correct book, why do they keep updating it and changing words? Yeah, and I'm talking like upper, th- like thousands Yeah, of I think changes. it's 2,000 at least by now. Uh, from what I was talking to Sandra Tanner about this once. She has a right. ministry up in uh, Utah, has been there, I think, since the 60s doing apologetics yeah, work. Yeah. And yeah, they change it and change it and change it a lot. Yeah, so and that's something, right. that's something to think, take into consideration. But that, aside from that, we're focusing just on the, the historical basis of the Book of Mormon alone. Yeah, the problems with it. And so uh, what we're going to go through, actually, it comes from a phenomenal book. I encourage all of you to get it. It's called Witness to Mormons in Love. Mm-hmm. Witness to Mormons in Love. And it's written by Daniel Thompson, or as he goes by, he goes by Chip Thompson. Mm-hmm. But the book says Daniel Thompson. So you should go by that yeah. if you're going to buy it. But um, this is a great book on how to um, talk to Mormons, how to love them, how to uh, engage them in conversations so that you can share the truth with them. Um, but, but this is from his book, Witness to the Mormons in Love. And uh, here, here's a couple of things he points out I think are fascinating. Mm-hmm. So within the Book of Mormon... Tyler, there are things called anachronisms. Okay. Right? An anachronism. What is that? Because it sounds like it might be like a, a face disease of a teenager or something. Well, right? yeah. Well, we, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we were talking about it earlier. It's just basically um, objects that were kind of placed in this time frame before they existed or were ever even invented. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so it's it's stuff that's out of place historically. For instance, yeah. if, if I wrote a book about Abraham Lincoln— and mm-hmm. I said, you know, Abraham Lincoln was on his way uh, to Gettysburg to give the Gettysburg Address. Right. I think that's where he gave it, isn't it? Right. Yeah. There I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he's on the train and he's on his way. And um, he was thinking through what he was going to say. And he wanted to make sure he wrote it down. So he pulled out his iPad and he started uh, typing down what he was going to say. You would go, whoa, 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 wait. That's an anachronism. Why? Well, because iPads didn't exist in Abraham Lincoln's time. Yeah. Right. Or if I would have said he was flying on an airplane to no, 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 that's out of place. They didn't exist at that time. So that, when, we, when we talk about an anachronism, that, that's what we mean. Something that's out of place in history. It, it hadn't been invented yet. It hadn't come about yet. Yes. Right. And the Book of Mormon is full of these types of things. Right. Yes. So one of the problems that um, that the Book of Mormon has is it actually lists the time period of when these uh, different books are are written, there's actually yes. a historical it, timeline that goes along mm-hmm. with when these books occurred and uh, what time period they were in. At the beginning of, I'm looking, I'm looking through it right now. Yeah, it's usually right at the top before you start reading of yeah, every of every scenario. chapter, mm-hmm. right? Of every chapter, it tells this happened during this time period, and so if you go to the Book of Ether in the Book of Mormon, um, in in chapter two, verse twenty three. It talks about windows that'll be dashed to pieces. Mm-hmm. Now, this book tells us in this chapter that this happened in 2500 BC. 
All right, 2500 BC. Well, what's the problem with that, Tyler? Well, we didn't have glass windows in 2500 BC. No, no glass windows. There's no evidence of any glass windows being found way back then. Um, The technology for it, what we didn't know. Like, think about it. Are there any areas in the Egyptian archaeology where there was like, uh, you know, squares cut out because they put glass window panes in? No. No. Uh, this and wasn't you got to think too. The Egyptians were pretty like they were considered advanced in archaeology at the time too. It was like yes, the, yeah. And if that's the most advanced, and they didn't include a window, that I mean, I'm just saying like that. Yes, exactly. It, it makes it makes no sense. So it doesn't. And so that is an anachronism. It's out of place in the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Now, how how would you say this came about? Well, I would say that Joseph Smith wasn't writing history. He was writing fantasy, science fiction. He was making up this story. And so, of course, it'd be filled with things he didn't know would be anachronisms. Yeah, and then think about it, too. A lot of people at the time weren't historians mm-hmm. uh, when he wrote this. People were not educated that well on, like, when the art— like, Sure. Well, in modern-day, think about it. When, when did archaeology really take off, modern-day archaeology? Um, it wasn't until, like, the mid-18, late 1800s, early 1900s. I didn't actually know the dating of that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. if you think about all those guys who started going into Egypt and they were digging up stuff— Right, and yeah. And bringing it back to the British Museum and all that. It didn't—so Joseph Smith predates that stuff happening. Yeah, right. right. Even even remember with the Book of Abraham being written, which we don't have time to get into. Oh, but but yeah. a guy brought artifacts from Egypt, right? And at the time, nobody on the American continent could read Egyptian. Uh, the Rosetta Stone was just yeah. being cracked in France at the time, so nobody could even read hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- it it was archaeology in the modern sense. It was just in its infancy during the time of Joseph Smith. And when he wrote the Book of Mormon, nobody would have the ability to check into these types of things because mm-hmm. um, the study wasn't, wasn't occurring yet. And yet he writes, windows. Well, again, wouldn't, wouldn't have happened. Couldn't have happened, yeah. right? Because, I mean, something that we, we also uh, jotted down here is just that <laughs> what's fascinating is when you look at history, you see that the earliest cases of glass windows, which is stained glass, were invented actually in the first century. Mm-hmm. By the Romans, and that's in the first century. Yeah, but again, not not two thousand five hundred no, years earlier. That's that's a big time gap for him to get that wrong. So that's, if, if this yeah. is a book of God, and this is from God, you'd expect God to know those things. Yeah, and well, I mean, he even quotes word for word. He says the Book of Mormon was the most correct of any book on earth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just one mistake, right? Windows. Okay. Yeah. L- let's move on. Yeah. You know what? Let's keep going. Yeah, yeah let's just, let's just <clears throat> um, say that's not there. <laughs> another anachronism is that in Alma, I want to read to you, uh, this is from the Book of Mormon, uh, yeah. the Book of Alma, uh, chapter 18, verse 9. It says, And they said unto him, Behold, he is feeding thy horses. Now the king had commanded his servants previous to the time of the watering of their flocks that they should prepare his horses and chariots and conduct him forth to the land of Nephi. For there had been a great feast appointed at the land of Nephi by the father of Lamoni, who was king over all the land. You notice it says horses a couple times and chariots. Yes. Uh, horses and chariots are also mentioned in the book of Nephi, verse three, or chapter 3, verse 22. Um, now, when was this written? Well, let me turn to the beginning of the chapter. All yeah, right. Supposedly, around it says uh, 600, around 600 to 400 
uh, 600 BC to 400 AD is when this was supposed to occur, right? Wow, yeah. Okay, what's the problem with this? Well, um, yeah, I mean, we have it here too. Our horses, like think about it, our horses indigenous to the Americas. No. No. When did horses come to America? When the Spaniards brought them over. When the Spaniards, exactly. Yeah. And when was that? About 1500s AD. Yeah. So a thousand years off, maybe a little less than a thousand years off, but uh, horses were not brought to the Americas until the 1500s. I think the whole Book of Mormon is supposed to conclude the, the history of it. In is it? I might be wrong on this, but isn't it supposed to be finished by like 400 AD? Is oh the actual when when it's supposed to date be date of it ending? Yes, yeah. it's around 400 AD. Is, is when, when it's supposedly the end of it. When was. all the events. That took place in the ancient Americas. Yeah. Took place. It was in 480. Again, so even if we say these verses are from 480, which they're not claiming to be, that's still about 900 years prior to horses being brought to the Americas. So the question becomes, how were there horses in the Americas? We find no evidence of it, and they're not indigenous to here. So that seems to be um, another anachronism. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like and the same thing with windows, like in horses, you can't. You can't claim that they existed before they were in even in that location or in that time frame. No. Yeah. No. Nope, and then, and then to say that this is a historical account of what happened. Mm-hmm. That's you, you don't think that the person writing this at the time who witnessed these things would have said, "Oh yeah," because I mean, because literally they, they couldn't have said that. They right? couldn't have said it's that. It's like that's saying the point. Abraham Lincoln used an iPad. To exactly. Write a there you address. go. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's that's what I was getting at. They yeah. wouldn't have been able to say those things because no, those things weren't around. They didn't exist. It's not they, possible. They had no concept of them. Yep. Another one. Uh, if we look at Alma uh, chapter two verse twelve, let me read that. It says, "Therefore, the people of the Nephites were aware of the intent of the Amalek." Sites, I think is how you say it, Amlicites, mm. and therefore they did prepare to meet them. Yea, they did arm themselves with swords and with cimeters and with bows and with arrows and with stones and with slings and with all manner of weapons of war of every kind. All right? Mm. So that comes from Alma 2.12. And let me look up. I have to look at the table of constants because I don't know the order of the books. Well, that's, uh, that's okay. In that's... the Book of Mormon, I need I need to get better at it to be honest. All right, so in the Book of Ether, um, where is that? Seven, chapter seven, Ether, yes. chapter seven, verse nine. <clears throat> it says, "Here it is." Wherefore he came to the hill Ephraim, and he did molt. He did molten out of the hill and made swords out of steel for those whom he had drawn away with him. You see that swords out of steel? What's the problem with this? Well, another issue with this is that steel technology did not exist in the ancient Americas. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. wait a second. What are you saying, Tyler? Well, what I'm saying here is that there was basically no steel sword discovered in archaeology anywhere in the Americas, and the Native Americans in this era had not even reached the Iron Age, which would have made steel possible. Wait a second. Hold on. You're saying they have not, in uncovering archaeology in North America, Central America, South America, they've never found steel (laughs) swords from back then? Never. And here's the thing. We have – there's no way that this could have just gotten lost in no, archaeology, no, we we would have access to this. Uh, like literally, we know we have 
uh, everything pretty much there is to know about what happened in America uh, archaeologically mm-hmm. before it was colonized. Yes. Yeah. We've, we've dug it up. I mean, if you, if you think especially about the um, the stuff in, in South America, right? The Incas and the Aztecs yeah, and all that. Yeah. We, we they didn't know even... their history. We know what they had. And they yeah, didn't have steel swords. They didn't. That's a good point to bring up. I didn't even think of mentioning that. But they, even them, they didn't have steel swords. And no. you would think, you know what? Like, like, I could even give them the benefit of doubt. Like, let's say we didn't find any steel swords whatsoever in North mm-hmm. America. If we were finding steel swords dating from that time in South America, I'd be like, okay, you know what? There's a possibility that they could have had them up there. Yeah. But, but, but the steel didn't even exist in the continent. No. That's the thing. The whole continent, any of it. Nope. No steel. No so, steel uh, like at that's all. A- North America, South America, no steel. And so this is a real problem. And, and yeah. exactly what you're saying, it, it's interesting because there has been no, not one piece of archaeology no. that specifically backs up the Book of Mormon. Not, not one. Not and that, that's one. what we're getting at today. We're trying to like dissect all these different issues with it and show you, hey, like there's there's literally nothing. There's not. It's 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 beyond a lack of evidence. Yeah, it's, it's, it's showing that this isn't a historically reliable book. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we'll keep going, and then you'll you'll start to see. I mean, we. We didn't even include everything on this list either, Robbie. No, we, well, we don't have time like, to. Yeah. There's so much wrong with it. We don't have time to. But a couple of things that I do think are important. Um, one, I do want to say that you know when, when Mormonism first came out, the claim was that Joseph Smith found mm. these gold plates in the right, Hill Cumorah, yeah. right, which was close to his house in upstate New York. Um, what's wrong with this is that um, there's never been found any pieces of archaeology in that area that back up the Book of Mormon, even though a really great battle was supposedly supposed to go on there. So what what has happened is a lot of Mormon archaeologists um, have have decided, you know what, maybe the land of Mormon is actually Central and South America where we find all of this Inca and Mayan stuff. Right. But the issue with that is we've deciphered the language, we know what it says, and we still don't yeah. find any evidence for well, what was written about in the Book of Mormon. Well, and that's obvious because you know that if if they, <clears throat> excuse me, if they genuinely believed that it was from the Mayans and like that was like the culture, uh, then they would be arguing that and like blasting it in your face. But they, they know that that's not it. Yep. That's not, there's a big difference between um, the people of the South Americas to what they're claiming the Nephites and the Lamanites of the North America. Yeah, it's not even close. No. I mean, and we're going to get into even, I mean, we're going to get into more yeah, of, of yeah. what's wrong with it. But I do want to read another piece of uh, Mormon uh, scripture, they'd say, uh, from the Book of Mormon, Ether chapter 9, verse 19, says this. And they also had horses and asses, and there were elephants... Wait, in North America, there were elephants? Elephants in North America. You know what? I don't even have to know the dating of this one. This one's just like... It doesn't matter when the dating is. The only (laughs) thing that they could be referring to possibly would be woolly mammoths, right? But how long ago were those? Long before then. Long before anybody came over to, to the Americas from from Israel, which is the story of the Book of Mormon. It didn't happen, but that's what they said yeah. happened. So wait a second. Elephants, um, they went extinct in prehistoric times. There's no way that you could have elephants and, in America. And if you ha- Do you have the dating that they're claiming for that? Yeah, uh, 2500 BC. 2500 BC. So they're, in 2500 BC, they're claiming that there were elephants 
in America. Roaming with the bison, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I guess all the native ones have become extinct because it seems like the only ones we have here are from Are mammoths frozen. Or, yeah, yeah, we haven't discovered any, any fossil Yeah, uh, but that's that. the thing. The only way you could say potentially if they were is if they were woolly mammoths. But there's nothing. Yeah, but we know when they went extinct. Stink. Yeah, so. that's the thing. Uh, so, uh, and then because there's no way that the elephant that's still around today, no, is what they're talking about. No, the and African is, or the Asian elephant. No, there's a reason that they're titled African Asian elephant because they're from Africa and Asia. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> they never were in America. That's it. You got it. So yeah. that's another what we'd say uh, anachronism. It's out of place. It doesn't fit. It's wrong. Yeah. Uh, another one, and I think this is interesting. This is also from the Book of Alma. Let me turn there. Alma eleven. Um, verses 3 through 19, I'm not going to read all of it, but I just want to read a little bit. Yeah, the key, key points. Yeah, Alma 11, 3 through 19. Um, it says, And the judge received for his wages, according to his time, a senine of gold for a day, and a senum of silver, which is equal to a senine of gold. And this is according to the law which was given. So okay. it goes on to talk about silver and gold and silver and gold coins and what the different coins were called and things like that. Um, now, this is where it gets really bad for the Book of Mormon. We have found no gold or silver coinage mentioned in the Book of Mormon ever in archaeology of the Americas. <laughs> it's just, it's not there. Well, now, this is horrific, man, because <laughs> if you want to find the, um, you know, the Bible talks about a denarius and a drachma mm -hmm. and all these other types of um, types of coins that yeah. Jesus used, right? The widow's mites, um, mm. all of that kind of stuff, right? Jesus even, they give him a coin. He says, whose picture's on there? Caesar's, Caesar's right? yeah. Dude, we have all of these coins. And we, how we found all of these coins dug up in the ground in Israel and around. And, and what's the dating on those coins? How old are they? Oh, 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years old. Some, some okay. of the coins we found predate Jesus. And, and this is what's ridiculous about it, Tyler. <laughs> These coins, because you would think, oh, man, ancient coins like that, they must mm. be worth a fortune, right? Yeah. They're not. What? You're telling me that it's not worth a fortune no, to have a coin? No, ancient coins from that area of the world, uh, from, from the Roman Empire. A piece of history. It's, they're not worth that much. You know why? Why? There's so many of them. They're worthless. Wow, that we've dug up go. so many of these coins in the lands of the Bible that they're worthless. I'm looking at eBay right now. I just pulled this up before we started the show. You can go on eBay and you can buy a uh, ancient widow's mite. Okay? okay, remember the widow's mite? It's mentioned in scripture, that type of a coin. Um, it's dated between 103 BC and 76 BC, this coin that I'm looking at. And you know how much it costs if you want to buy it? How much? 13 bucks. $13. $13. That's about three cups of coffee. <laughs> for, and you for, can get a widow's mite from, that's older than, than Jesus. For something that is a piece of biblical history and archaeology. Yep. I'm that's looking at a, a coin of Herod Agrippa, um, uh, minted during Herod Agrippa's time. This is another widow's mite. It's from 41 to 47 AD. You can get that for $5.50. And that's just after Jesus died. Yeah. Like just a few years after. Yep. Um, That's astounding. Again, uh, I'm looking at all these coins and on so, here, and you can get them so cheap. And the reason you can get them so cheap is because we found mm. so many of them in the ground, which, again, backs up the historicity of the Bible. Yeah, right. But why haven't we found one coin? 
that backs and up the historicity of the book. Of not only that, that, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong here, but it, uh, I'm looking down at our bullet point notes for what we have under this uh, gold and silver coinage, and it, you put, I believe we have here that this is dated from Alma eleven three through nineteen, around eighty two BC is when these coins were mentioned. Correct? Yeah. Yes. So. You're telling me that they're claiming that there were gold and silver coins around 82 BC that were probably tons of them in the North mm -hmm. Americas. Yeah. But then we have no findings of them. Yet from, from biblical times, from Old Testament scripture and uh, New Testament scripture, we have coins that predate thousands of years beforehand. Yeah. Well, and like, what what I'm saying, this is what's really funny about it, is they're saying that these coins were around in about 82 BC. We've never found one. And I'm looking at pictures of coins on yeah. eBay right now from around 82 BC or prior that you can buy for $13. Exactly. The Bible so I'm says. saying, so that, that's what I'm saying. So if you can't even claim that uh, these coins can't be preserved over that time because you're seeing, we're finding. Oh, we find them preserved. Gold yeah. and silver. Yeah, exactly. Last for a long time. Yeah, we're finding tons of them, but yet we find nothing for the Book of Mormon coins that are described here. You got it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Archaeology shows that the Bible is historically accurate in regards to people, in regards mm. to events, in regards to places, in regards to historicity. I mean, even like the warfare, the types of the types of armor that are described, the types of, you know, chariots, the Egyptian pharaohs, right? They yeah. chased Israel in chariots. We know that there were chariots around at that time because we know when chariot wheel technology developed in Egypt. So it's it's without question that this stuff is accurate. But then you come to the Book of Mormon mm -hmm. and you just find problem after problem after problem. It seems like a guy who didn't know history or what he was talking about wrote a fictitious book. And I'm pretty sure that that's what occurred. That's very likely from what we're looking at. <laughs> yeah. So. Let's keep uh, going on. We don't want to spend a ton of time on all of this stuff. Yeah, uh, right, right. But, but one of the things that is interesting is um, there's, there's even words that are out of place when it comes to the Book of Mormon. Mm. So like, you know, uh, in, in the book of Jacob, uh, chapter 7, verse 27, the, the French word adieu is used, right? Which you go, yeah. okay, why is it bad to use a French word? Well, it's not. I mean, it means adieu means goodbye in French, right? But this was supposed to be written around 421 AD, and the French language didn't exist until 700 AD. So how did they know French in America before French existed in France? <laughs> That's a big problem. They were uh, 300 years ahead of the curve, I guess, on the French language. I, like, see, I, I actually talked to a Mormon missionary about that one I was going to ask you about yeah. that. Yeah, I brought that up to my friend Josh, uh, who's a Mormon missionary down here from uh, Idaho. Mm. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, I've heard people bring this up against us to say that the Book of Mormon is not true. And then he said this. <clears throat> he said, "He said it didn't, it just means goodbye, you know, and when God revealed it to Joseph Smith, of course they couldn't have used the word adieu back then, oh. but when God revealed it to Joseph Smith, he had him write in that French word so it would make it understandable to us. And I said, make a French word understandable to people who spoke English? Why didn't he just say goodbye? It doesn't make sense, <laughs> right? yeah. Um, so even that argument, and then he never does that again it. at any point. No, it's it's very odd. So um, I don't I don't know about that one. That one's uh, that one's tough. That's interesting. Well, you know what? I was gonna say I've actually heard that statement made about other inconsistencies. They've they would say it like that this is how it was would be described to Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, but see, that's the whole issue is. Uh, how then can you still claim that the Book of Mormon is true if there was this game of telephone between God, 
through the historians, yes. through Joseph Smith. Like, uh, that doesn't that's not make translation. No, that's, that's not. That's, that's, that's a, a dynamic equivalent is what we call it when we do that with the Bible. Yeah. Right? When we're describe, when we're explaining what it means instead of giving you the word for and, word, and we you, say it's a dynamic equivalent. And if you think about it, they're claiming here that God is the one who's playing the telephone game, who's giving not a full account of everything that actually happened. Yeah, and that God is helping Joseph understand by using French, even though he spoke English. Instead of just telling his people and revealing to them what actually happened. Well, and the kicker with all of this, Tyler, is we can't go back and check the original sources because the golden plates— They were sucked up to heaven. Got taken up to heaven. So we can't even find manuscript evidence. And again, that's very different with the Bible because we can go back and we have so much (laughs) manuscript evidence. And we've got to do, you know, probably this year we'll do shows on the uh, bibliographical proof, right? The the historical manuscripts. Oh, yeah. um, Showing the accuracy of how the Bible has been translated and transmitted over time. Right. But the Book of Mormon, you can't even begin to do that with it. Because there's no evidence that it even existed before Joseph Smith wrote it in the early 1800s. Yeah, that's just crazy. <laughs> it is. It's it's a real mess. And that's, I mean, these are some of the reasons why I don't think um, Mormonism's true. There's just so much against it in reality. Yeah, and I want to get on to this next point, too, because I, this one I think is really interesting. Because mm-hmm. it just, well, well, yeah, uh, so basically I was seeing, seeing here that we were going to mention that we see also in certain sections of the Book of Mormon that it quotes the King James Bible. Is that right? Yeah, and so that's interesting, right? Why why is it a book that's older than the King James Version of the Bible, word for word, quoting exactly what the King James Version says? That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's a real problem. Because, yeah, we, we said... We have it here that, that the first edition of the King's James Bible didn't come out until uh, 1611. Yep. Yeah, the, the English version. And so, yeah. and, and this is what's interesting about it, Tyler, is the argument will be, well, you know, it's, it's quoting the same portions of Scripture as God's Word. But if, if you translated them from Hebrew, the Old Testament, right, from Hebrew into yeah. what he says was Reformed Egyptian— it's going to be different than when you translate it from Hebrew into Old English. It's not going to be exactly the same, right? Yeah. And so you can't get an exact, exact copy of the Old English, these and thous, if you were translating it from Hebrew from Reformed Egyptian into English. It's not possible. Yeah. So it seems like he was just copying the King James Version of the Bible in those sections, not... Um, not translating the Book of Mormon from Reformed Egyptian. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's what makes <laughs> sense. I, I don't, like, like, put yourself in Joseph Smith's shoes, and you're sitting there, you're thinking, okay, I mean, this is, because this is realistically what probably happened. He's like, okay, I'm going to write, I, I need this to be believable. I, I need people to see, hey, you know what, this this appears as though it's from God. Mm-hmm. So what, how else do you make it appear that it's from God by actually putting God's word into it yep. to blend it in and make it like, like it, it just makes sense. And then not only that, um, uh, this is a side note too. We even have like uh, other details of like um, Joseph Smith using old English out of place throughout yep. the whole book of Mormon. Like he says the, the phrase, it came to pass a lot. Yeah. And I, we've talked about that before. Like when someone says it, it like at any point it came to pass, like the way that he's using it throughout the whole Book of Mormon, which he does 
dozens of times. Maybe yeah, even dude, hundreds. I'm just looking at I'm just looking it's at like, a page in the Book of Mormon, and it's in four really? Nephi verse fourteen, and it came to pass. Four <laughs> Nephi verse fifteen, and it came to pass. Oh, uh, my. Yeah, on and see, on. So and you on. can see yeah. that's even, that's just coincidentally on the pass. page that you have open right now. <laughs> yeah, you is. weren't even preparing for me to bring that up. No, but he does just say that so many. That's times. That's what I mean. And and uh, <clears> the thing is, is historically you can look at this and you think, you know what? Maybe he, the reason he kept using terms like it came to pass over and over is because he was trying to sound authentic when in reality he actually wasn't. Yep. It's a real problem. In addition to that, there's also um, uh, what are called Greek anachronisms in the Book of Mormon. Mm. And so uh, just to get you up to speed, just because I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with what the Book of Mormon is about. The Book of Mormon is supposed to be an account of uh, Hebrew Israelites who came to America from Jerusalem around 600 BC, so just mm-hmm. prior to the Babylonian captivity of Jerusalem. Um, these, this family of, of Jewish people escaped, crossed the Atlantic, and got to North America, um, and maybe Central and South America. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, so, so that's the time period that they came, right? Now there's all these Greek words and terms and names used in the Book of Mormon. Well, why is this a problem? Well, uh, Greek wasn't made the common language of, of the empire until Alexander the Great came along and made everyone learn Greek, right? Yeah. Which was a few hundred years after this group, this family, crossed the Atlantic and came to the mm-hmm. Americas. So the question becomes, how did they have Greek terms when they didn't know Greek? And, and the Book of Mormon explicitly says they had no contact with the old world. So terms such as uh, 3 Nephi 9.18 talks about Alpha and Omega. Again, Greek letters, right? Um, Christ is a Greek term. Christos, right? It's, it's the Greek term for th- that the Jews use for Messiah. That's, oh, that's uh, Christians. Um, names like Timothy, Jonas, Zenos. Uh, 3 Nephi 19 talks about that. 1 Nephi 19 talks about that. Christians in Alma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what dating was that again? Probably. Like, uh, let me look. Let me turn to Alma and look at the date on I'm that just, I'm chapter. just thinking of that Alma alone. 46, yeah. Let me see here. Alma 46. It says about 73 to 72 B.C. Oh, my gosh, no. So they were called Christians even before... The people in the New Testament were called Christians. That's, that's, why, that's why I wanted to hear what they dated. Because <laughs> they go, oh, they go. Because the thing is, is it, we I know. Didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. I, I that saw that. Out of place. I, well, coincidentally, I'm going through a study of the like the epistles right now, and like um, something that we. Uh, well, sorry, th- this was actually from my church history class, and one of the things that we just went over and we were discussing last week actually was how, and we already know this from scripture, like in reading it, you could see it. Um, We were talking about it, how the first place where believers of Christ, followers of Jesus were called Christians was Antioch. Antioch, yeah. And we have that in Scripture, and we that's that's way way past the the Nephi. I mean, sorry, Alma dating. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And and to say that all of a sudden <clears throat> that a culture who has no remember they have no communication with the old with world. the old yeah. world. They can't know Greek. They can't know this term. How would they know? And people weren't even called Christians <laughs> before Christ. Dude, I'm looking at that this. That was before Christ. Yeah, was, that's, yeah, a, that's seven, another point. 73, that's 72 another, BC is before you don't even Jesus. You think about that. He's not even around and they're calling him Christians. Yeah. Yeah, how can you be a Christ follower before Christ came? It's like, to oh, earth? we all know who Jesus is, but he 
okay. <laughs> I'm right. looking. I'm looking at this chapter of Alma, chapter forty-six, and uh, in verse fifteen it says, "Those who did belong to the church were faithful. Yea, all those who were true believers in Christ took upon them gladly the name of Christ, mm. or Christians as they were called, because of their belief in Christ who should no. come." So, so Christ Christian, Christ Christian, it's mentioned all throughout this chapter. Um, again, how how do they know the Greek language, and how do they know about Christ before he comes? There's just problems here. It's it's a sloppy book that was put together, and it's fictitious. It's not even good fiction at that. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. Thing. So um, another historical problem that I think is really yeah. interesting is in uh, four Nephi the fourth book of Nephi, mm. it talks about how all the Native Americans, who they say, you know, the, the Lamanites and the Nephites, uh, Nephites yeah, yeah. Uh, were practicing Christians from 36 A.D. to 201 A.D. So think about that. What is that? Almost 170 years. Mm-hmm. All Native Americans are practicing Christians. We have not Every found... Every Native American... We haven't found any evidence that Christianity was practiced and, in, in the Americas during that time. And, Not and, any evidence. And my, my question is, is why, why, why wouldn't we have even one group, one Native American group that still had the Christian faith passed on. I mean, our yeah. church... Uh, well, it's like, not just passed on, but we find no no churches built. We find no modes of baptism. Like we find not, not any peace, so not you're, any you're trace So you're telling me that they all became followers of Jesus. For 170 years. And then all of a sudden, every single one of them just... And every trace Let of go it. of it. Like, I mean, and, and that could and be... And every trace of it That is could gone. be. Maybe sure. all of them let go of it. But every trace of the practice gone, so we can't even find it in archaeology. But the thing is, too, though, we know that, like, don't we even have, like, artifacts of, like... Um, I'm trying to think of exactly what it is. But, like, like we don't we have evidence that shows what... They worshipped and the, like the stuff that they yeah. they've built around oh, that predate that time. We have churches. Like, this show, is the thing, Tyler. We have churches that that go way way back in history that are built over all these holy sites. In addition to yeah. that, we have written accounts of the early church fathers. We have written accounts of Clement. We have written accounts of Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple of John. Right. We have yeah, we have an was. account hist- manuscript wise. We also have buildings and we have uh, churches and we we find symbols. We find mosaics of Jesus uh, of of Jesus face in different parts of the world in Turkey. I mean, we find so much evidence that Christianity was practiced. Uh, we don't find one piece of evidence that Christianity was practiced by Native Americans, and they're saying all of them for 170 years. That's what I mean. Exclusively worshipped Jesus. All of them. Yeah. It can't be. It, it, that's it, that's a, that's a blatant lie because we found no well, archaeological. You can see how late it claims. It says two hundred one A.D. That's that's how long it lasted for to where all of them. Yeah, thirty six A.D. to two hundred one, about one hundred and seventy years. That's just and it, we found nothing. No, and that's that's why it's impossible because you can see, like we said, like it just it doesn't match up with reality. Well, and again, and the important part we we want to keep. We want to keep uh, uh, pushing and we want to bring home is that, listen, just because archaeology backs up the Bible doesn't make all of the claims of the Bible true. Right. Now, I believe they are true, but uh, archaeology doesn't prove Jesus rose from the dead. Archaeology doesn't prove, um, you know, whatever miraculous events that that the Bible says. It can validate some of its claims. Exactly. It shows that it's historically accurate. And if the guys were that accurate to record history, I I think it's not a stretch to think, man, maybe they were recording accurately these miracles too. But the Book of Mormon lacks 
any evidence for its historical reliability. Yeah. And that's a problem if you don't if you don't have any shred of evidence, um, and yeah. that's that I think is a big issue. For yeah, the and market. if you if we don't have evidence even on the simple things that happen, like like just their, their <clears throat> currency, yep, then how can we trust everything else that says a supernatural happening? Yeah, if Joseph Smith didn't get it right when it came to horses, elephants, uh, steel swords, coins, Greek words, French words. The King James Version of the Bible being thrown in. If he couldn't get it right with that, why am I trusting this guy to tell mm. me how to get to heaven? It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's so sad. Like It is sad. It's yeah. it's a lack of evidence. Um, and then the last one we, we want to talk about, and this one is just so damning to, to, the, to the Mormon faith, is uh, in, in the Book of Mormon, uh, within the Book of Mormon, there is a book called Mormon. I yeah, that's, a, that good, out to people. that's yeah. a good clarification. So in, in the Book of Mormon, in chapter 6, 11 through 16, um, and I'm not, well, I'm not going to read all of it, but let me read a little. Uh, this is uh, Mormon, chapter 6, 11, mm-hmm. starting in 11. It says, And when they'd gone through and hewn down all my people, save if there were 20 and 4 of us, among whom was my son Moroni, and mm-hmm. we, having survived the dead of our people, did behold on the morrow when the Lamanites had returned unto their camps from the top of the hill Cumorah, so that's a specific place. Right. The 10,000 of my people who were hewn down, listen to that, 10,000 people got killed in this battle, being led in front by me. And we also beheld the 10,000 of my people who were led by my son Moroni. Okay, now we're at 20,000 people. And behold, the 10,000 of Gid Gidona had fallen, and he also in the midst. Okay, so that's 3,000. And Lema had fallen with his 10,000, and Gilga had fallen with his 10,000, and Lima had fallen with his 10,000, and Junium had fallen with his 10,000, <laughs> and Kumaniah had, and Moroniah, and Antonum, and Shiblum, and Shem, and Josh had fallen with their 10,000 each. Okay, that's thousands and thousands of people. We're over 100,000 now, right? It came to pass that there were 10 more who did fall by the sword with their 10,000 each. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of people, right? Hundreds of thousands of people died in this battle. It then goes on to say, um, um, unto the Lamanites had fallen and their flesh and bones and blood Mm -hmm. lay upon the face of the earth, being left by the hands of those who slew them to molder upon the land and to crumble and to return to their mother earth. And my soul was rent with anguish because of the slain of my people. And I cried. Okay, so at this battle, on one side, hundreds of thousands of men died, right? Yeah. If you read in in the book of Ether 15, it talks about this account. And all of these guys died. And it talks about how they they had... uh, Helmets and breastplates and swords. So we're talking a big cataclysmic <laughs> event. Yeah. And, and this big battle. And, and whenever there's battles and, and they're just laid in the ground to die, you would find archaeological evidence of these chariots, of these how come breastplates, of how, these helmets. How come we don't even have any writings from people like who went to war? Like, like people, every war that there is, people find a way to contact their families. And you, you yes. see that. We no have evidence of it at all. From that. No manuscripts of like, or letters written back and forth between people about no. the war and nothing. No, nothing from that time. But not only that, Tyler. Archaeologically, we have found no evidence of this battle taking place that in too. upstate New York. There's yeah. actually, if you go to the, to the Hill Cumorah, right, where Joseph Smith supposedly found the golden plates, yeah. there's an LDS visitor center there. They own the hill. Have they done archaeological excavation? 
really doubt it. They haven't. No, they haven't. They haven't <laughs> dug up anything. Why? Because they it's know not it's there. not there, man. They know it's not there. Why else do you think they probably bought the hill? I, well, because it's historically accurate. And so now again, the well, I mean, theory is maybe this all happened in South America. The book says the Hill Cumorah. I've actually read um, um, old Mormon prophets who explain the Hill Cumorah is New York, not South America. And so there's just this huge problem we found. If there's hundreds of thousands of people who died, you'd find swords, you'd find breastplates, you'd find helmets. We found zero, nothing. Yeah, that's no evidence whatsoever that this battle even took place. If it was historical, that's not what you'd expect to find. You can still go to Gettysburg and find bullets and stuff right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, from the Civil War. Yeah. In Israel, we're still finding evidence of wars that took place, right? Yeah. All over the world, you find evidence of these things. It, world War II evidence in Germany and Europe, they're finding stuff still. Um, we found nothing, not one scrap of evidence in the area or anywhere on the continent that backs up that this war took place. Yeah, and so that's... That's that's just huge. Taking all that into consideration, it just really paints a picture of like how flawed the historicity of the Book of Mormon is. It's really bad, man. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. now on our side of things, we have copious amounts of evidence that back up the Bible archaeologically, right? Yeah. And one of the things I think is cool, and uh, you and I both have been there, mm. there's this um, really cool ministry that's happening yes, in, yeah. in South uh, Utah. There's this uh, little town called Ephraim, and uh, Snow College is there. And um, there's a uh, uh, th- this guy who wrote The Witness to Mormons in Love, uh, Daniel Thompson. Mm-hmm. He has this awesome ministry out of Ephraim where they got a church there, a Christian church, and then they um, have this ministry that's called Solid, Solid Rock Cafe. Yeah. And we've been there. Um, yes. Remember it, when it we were in Utah? It is so cool. It is cool. And and they have yeah. good coffee, which is really funny because uh, it's taboo, right, to it have is. coffee it is. as a Mormon. Well, there's even a, one of our favorite coffee shops we had there. It was called Jack Mormon Coffee. Oh, up in Utah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Like, yep. they don't... But Solid Rock yeah. down in Ephraim, they have a coffee shop, and it's across the street from the college. And so they get a lot of college kids who will come in there. And, mm. you know, when you're in college, you're supposed to be a rebel and, you know, kind of yeah. do this thing. And um, the other thing is a lot of the good Mormon kids are up at BYU, not down at Snow College. Yeah, right. And so they've got these kids who will come in and check it out because it's kind of a taboo thing to, to do coffee or to check out mm-hmm. coffee. Um, but within the Bible Cafe, they have a, a museum, a Bible museum that has all of this archaeological evidence. Yeah. You remember when we were there? We, he, he gave a tour of all this stuff that they have there. Uh, and they've got coins. They've got pottery. They've got facsimiles of different manuscripts. Yeah, tons they, I and remember tons of stuff. he even walked through it with me. And, like I had conversations with him. And he pulled out of the cabinet a spearhead even from like mm-hmm. what, what weapons, like arrow tips and everything. Like It was insane how much stuff they had in there. And, and the point is, if you can have all of this biblical archaeology in a small coffee shop in southern Utah— it must be because there's so much evidence in archaeology yeah. for all of this yeah, stuff you gotta think that is worthless. How uh, you got to think? Obviously, that stuff would have to be have to be pretty worthless in a sense of meaning like like the 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 rest of those who dug it up. Yeah. Consider it. You know what? It's fine for us to give it to this little coffee shop in yeah. Utah because we have so much of it. There's it doesn't so matter. It's not in a museum anywhere, right? Yeah. It's not in the British Museum. It's not in Obviously, the... it's significant. Of course. It doesn't. It yeah, holds value. Worthless, it I does. don't mean significance. But yeah. by worthless, we mean like there's so many, it isn't as valuable as like, it's not rare. It's not rare. Yep. That That's, that's more what we're getting at. It's not rare. And so 
Of course, it doesn't matter. And uh, just when you take that into consideration that this little coffee shop in Utah can do that, and you yourself can have this little museum in your own personal home. <laughs> yep. I mean, heck, we were just talking. We're looking on eBay, like five bucks a coin yeah. for some some of these deals on yeah. here. I was actually up when we were in Utah. Chip, yeah. he gave me some archaeology. He's like, here, do you want this? This is there from Lakish. This is from this part of the Bible. And he just this gives it out. He's old. like, here you go. Because he got so much of it. He's got so much of it. Yeah. So again, what does this mean? It means there is so much archaeological like, evidence that backs up scripture. They don't care. It, there's so much that they don't care if those pieces get lost forever because there's so much more there's to back so it much. up that it yeah. doesn't matter yep that's the significance Whereas, of it with the book of mormon there's zero yeah not one piece of evidence to back it up archaeologically yeah and so i love what solid rock cafe is doing they're showing people tangibly listen the bible's trustworthy and the book of mormon isn't yeah yeah and um uh, something that i'd like to challenge our listeners to doing is um just uh try to um to just maybe be friends with a Mormon and like have discussions with them and like get to the point of sharing the gospel with them and then uh, um, try to just show them love and grace because obviously like what we've been discussing here, you can see that the, there's a lot of conflicts within their belief and it. Uh, the Mormon church is just lost and it's really sad. So um, uh, just pray, take some time to pray for your Mormon friends and people yes. who you know who uh, are in this uh, cult is what it is and uh, pray that they would they would one day become have their eyes open to the true Christ and see like the example that he is in scripture aside from the book of mormon yep and hopefully you can take this evidence that we've been talking about and help them to see that what they're placing their trust in isn't well founded yeah. in reality it's yeah. not well founded in what really happened in history and that Joseph Smith wasn't telling the mm. truth now granted we you you got to do it in love and grace you yes. can't just go in there and be in like Oh, that is a, Joseph Smith used a French term. Like, <laughs> just no, you can't go in there yeah. yelling. But that's why we'd encourage you get this book, "Witness to Mormons in yes, Love" by yes. Daniel Thompson. "Witness to Mormons in Love" by Daniel Thompson. Yeah, they they even have tactics in there for sharing these. Yeah, it's and, great. Yeah. Uh, the dictionary of such term a good differences. Resource. It's a phenomenal resource. So can't highly recommend uh, Chip Thompson's book enough and what they're doing down there at Solid Rock Cafe. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, if this has encouraged you uh, in your faith and seeing just how. Uh, uh, um, archaeological evidence supports the Bible where, uh, as opposed to what we see in other religions. Um, uh, just uh, please take take the time to pass that on to someone else to encourage them. Um, maybe share the podcast with them or uh, go out and, like we said, talk to another Mormon friend or anyone else in your community who you think would help like benefit from this, from knowing and seeing how the Bible lines up with reality. Yeah, the whole purpose of apologetics is to share our faith, right? It, right. it helps us to be confident in our faith, which is great. But, it, but we need to move from that, not just to think we know what's true, but to go and to tell other people and help them see what's real. Yeah, and we don't, and that is our goal to be able to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Yep. But it's also we we also want you to take that that we that you get from this podcast and go and share that with others. Yes, please do. If you want to share the podcast, I mean, feel free to share it on any yeah, social yeah. media. And tell your friends about it. We'd love for more people to to be equipped with these truths. Yeah, and, and if you're a Mormon uh, listening to this, because um, I mean. Who knows? Uh, we we could end up having a, some LDS church members listening to this mm -hmm. at some point. Uh, we want you to know that uh, um, we just hope that uh, what we've discussed on this podcast uh, 
kind of uh, maybe shed some light on some historical issues that we have with the Book of Mormon. And please feel free. We are very open to answering any questions that you might have. Uh, you yes. can go ahead and send us an email or a message on our Instagram page, and we will we will for sure get back to you on that. And so um, please don't hesitate in it, uh, um, to just reach out to us. No, we love Mormon people. Uh, Jesus yes. has told us to love all people. Um, and we're to help people see what's true. And Jesus is true. The Bible is true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. Not through Buddha, not through an atheistic worldview, not through Joseph Smith. Jesus. Jesus alone. That's it. And so um, anybody who disagrees with, with us, um, that's all right. Yeah, that's uh, We'd okay. love to talk with you about it. Um, but we, we always want our faith to be grounded in evidence. And yeah, I think and that's, that's all the way our... God's left yeah. things to be. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're just trying to um, push out the facts that we have here and reveal the truth, right? That's basically our goal here. It's to just bring to light the truth. And, yep. and so, um, like I said, again, if you uh, have any more questions in regards to Mormonism or anything else that we discussed on this podcast, please, again, message us. Uh, follow us on our Instagram account, Christ Culture Coffee. Um, and then you can stay up to date on what we are doing with our podcast. Yep. We're so thankful for you listening. Thanks for uh, being with us through this uh, January series on yes. archaeology. It's been really fun. I've, yes, I've learned a lot and I've enjoyed my time. So great. I, I've learned a lot through this because like the past several weeks that we've been going over this, it's like each and every topic I've been learning something new. And it's it's so fascinating, just the amounts of evidence that we have to support the Bible. It really is. And hey, um, I just want to mention too, this is just a, a shameless plea, actually. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be going to Rwanda, Africa, in um, a week and a half, and I'm going to do some pastors training out there with my good friend uh, Kyle, and um, we're going to be out there with one of my friends, Chad, that I've known forever. Um, and if you could be praying for us, that would be great as we share the truth with these pastors. If you're a Christian, I'd love for you to be praying uh, for this trip to Rwanda and that we'd be able to impact these pastors at this pastor conference we're going to be preaching at. So really would appreciate your prayers for that. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll be praying for you as well, Robbie. Thanks, Tyler. That's great. <laughs> well, thanks so much there for being go. with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Christ Culture and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.